am I? Three simple words of faith spoken by a young teenager that turned the whole world upside down. In a story filled with drama, the weight and importance of those words sometimes gets overlooked. After all, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the surprises of this story. An angel suddenly appearing, telling Mary not to be afraid, that favorite phrase of biblical angels that usually did nothing to relieve the fears of the person hearing it. And the angel brought astonishing news that Mary would have a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit and that this baby would be the Son of God and would reign over the world forever. We tend to focus on the surprise, the amazement, the impossibility of this announcement. And we forget Mary's simple, immediate, faith-filled response, here am I. This Sunday morning is unusual. Because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year, we will gather tonight to celebrate the birth of that miraculous, incredible, unexpected baby in a humble place where animals were housed. But before we, were, but, but, bleh, but before we arrive at the baby's birth, we pause this morning to look more closely at Mary, the most unlikely of heroines. Luke's story of the conception and birth of Jesus is powerful, full of poetry and song that weave together words from the sacred past of the Old Testament into this New Testament story. Some, some biblical scholars believe that the first two chapters of Luke's gospel may not have been part of the original manuscript, but were added later after people who heard the story of Jesus' resurrection began asking questions about the circumstances of his birth. And in this birth narrative, Luke told a powerful and memorable story of hope that began with very ordinary people. Mary and Joseph probably would not have been anyone's first pick as the ones chosen to raise the Messiah. They lived in an unremarkable town called Nazareth, a village of about 1,500 people at the time, located in the hill country of Judea between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. Nazareth was part of the old tribal boundaries of Jacob's son Zebulun, but the village was so insignificant that it is not mentioned by name in the, New in the Old Testament. Mary was an ordinary woman, probably in her early teens, because that was the traditional age when a woman would be engaged to be married in ancient Israel. The scriptures say nothing about Mary's parents. There's an ancient tradition that says their names were Anne and Joachim, and they were childless until an angel appeared to each of them to tell them they would have a baby. We don't know much more about Joseph. Luke's gospel tells us that he was a descendant of King David, we know that he was engaged to Mary when the angel appeared, but they were not yet married. Nothing in their lives suggested that they were extraordinarily faithful. And yet God chose these ordinary people to bring Jesus into the world, to nurture him and teach him, to prepare him for his adult life of ministry. The fact that Mary was unmarried when she had her baby may, may seem scandalous, and it probably was to those around her. But it's important to recognize that the marriage customs of ancient Israel were very different from our ways of thinking about marriage today. Marriages were arranged by the father of the girl, 
likely when she was very young. Once the engagement happened, the young woman lived at home with her parents for a year. At the end of that year, the groom would come to the parents' house and take the bride to his house, and the celebration of the wedding would last a week. And yet the wedding was not really the official commitment point. The marriage was actually sealed in a binding agreement at the couple's official engagement. If Joseph had died while they were engaged, Mary would have been considered a widow. So the couple, couple was already in a committed legal relationship when the angel Gabriel visited Mary. In many ways, this made the news of Mary's pregnancy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, even more shocking. In fact, the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel reports that Joseph considered dismissing Mary quietly, essentially divorcing her, when he discovered she was pregnant, until an angel appeared to him in a dream and reassured him that what Mary had told him about this baby conceived by the Holy Spirit was in fact true. Have you ever stopped to imagine the angel Gabriel's side of the Annunciation story? He had been sent by God to deliver this incredible news to Mary and to wait for her response. Nothing in the angel's words was a command. Mary got to choose. Would she accept this strange blessing and incredible responsibility? Many of you know by now that I love the writings of American theologian Frederick Buechner. Here's how Buechner described Gabriel in the encounter with Mary. She struck the angel Gabriel as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child. But he'd been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named and who he was to be, and something about the mystery that was to come upon her. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, he said. As he said it, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of a girl. I can only imagine that the angel, as he departed from her, breathed a huge sigh of relief at Mary's yes. Many of us have heard this story of the Annunciation to Mary many times so often that we forget how scandalous Mary's pregnancy would have been. Imagine what you might have thought if you were one of Mary's neighbors, or someone in Joseph's family, or the local rabbi. A young woman in your community was pregnant before her wedding, and when asked, she insisted that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I wonder if people were shaking their heads or making rude comments about Mary's morality or needling Joseph to abandon her because she had been unfaithful. Carrying this baby would be incredibly difficult, as Mary realized when the angel spoke to her. I'm sure Mary felt anxiety, fear, and concern about what others would think. She probably worried that her fiancé Joseph might not stick with her in this um, unusual situation. And yet Mary, an ordinary woman living an ordinary life that was suddenly graced by God, embraced her difficult calling and took the extraordinary step of saying without hesitation, here I am God, I'm ready, I can do this. The next story in Luke's Gospel is about Mary's visit to Elizabeth who was pregnant with John the Baptist. 
I sometimes wonder why Mary went to visit her. After hearing from the angel that her relative Elizabeth was also pregnant, Mary may have wanted to congratulate her and perhaps to share the experience of these two unusual pregnancies, one of a not yet married teenager and the other of a woman well past childbearing age. Mary may have spent several months with Elizabeth to escape some of the gossip about her own pregnancy, to talk about the realities of childbirth, and to help Elizabeth get ready to deliver her baby. The scripture doesn't give us any details of how Mary got there or what she and Elizabeth discussed while she was there. What we do know is that Elizabeth knew immediately, before Mary even told her, that Mary was carrying the Son of God in her womb. And even the unborn baby John recognized Jesus and leaped for joy. And Mary responded with a song of joy and praise that we call the Magnificat, or the Song of Mary. In this song, Mary praised God for his power. She rejoiced that she had received the privilege of giving birth to the promised Messiah, and she looked forward to the ways God would transform the world through this coming Messiah. The Magnificat, the Song of Mary, is sung regularly in Advent worship in the Catholic, Episcopal, Lutheran, and Eastern Orthodox churches. Many of you may know that I am also a campus minister in Athens. The Disciples on Campus group that I have led for many years has joined a partnership this fall with the Presbyterians and the United Church of Christ. In one of our regular worship services, I was introduced to a worship hymn called The Canticle of the Turning. It's a contemporary rephrasing of the Magnificat. It's a, con <laughs> a little bit more, almost there. It's a contemporary rephrasing of the Magnificat, set to an upbeat Irish folk tune. I've come to love this hymn because of the hope and determination it conveys. I would like to give you the opportunity to listen to the first verse now. The lyrics will be on the screen so you can follow along. There's a lot more of it, but we didn't have time to listen to all of it today. Hope can be challenging sometimes. It's hard to dare hope that God's promises are true. And yet Mary was filled with hope for the child she was carrying and for the ways God was turning the world upside down. God was about to enter into human life with all its violence and corruption and sin not as a magnificent warrior or a great conqueror, but as a tiny baby born to an ordinary young woman, a baby who would do more to change the course of our world than any other single person. We are graced by God as Mary was, 
although the ways we experience that grace look very different. But what does it mean to be graced or favored by God? So many voices in today's world tell us we're not good enough. Our appearance, or clothes, or sexual identity, or choice of occupation, or leisure activities, or romantic partner may not meet other people's standards. We may hear the message that we are not attractive enough, thin enough, fit enough, or successful enough. But God's grace does not depend on our worthiness, or beauty, or physical fitness, or talent, or any of these other things. God's grace is given freely without any strings. Like Mary, we are affirmed and loved by God just as we are. And God knows that we are good enough for the calling God has for us, just as Mary was. Mary trusted God enough to take the first step in God's plan without knowing exactly what to expect. She had the faith and the courage and the hope to say yes, and to be the first to receive and announce the good news of Jesus Christ. Because of Mary's yes to the angel, God's son was born as a human child in the nativity story we know and love so well. The trip to Bethlehem over several days and difficult terrain. The birth of the baby in a place where animals were housed because the guest room of the family they were planning to stay in was already full. The visit of the angels to nearby shepherds, telling them this baby was the Messiah. The shepherds visiting the new baby and then proclaiming to the world, or at least to everyone they saw, that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem. Because of Mary's yes to the angel, God's son grew into a man who preached a radical love to all those he met. This morning, as we prepare for the birth of the Christ child that we will celebrate this evening, I invite you to reflect for just a moment on your own life. If an angel appeared to you today with a message of grace and hope and asked you to do something unexpected, would you say yes? Would you have the courage that Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zachariah and the shepherds all had to follow God's leading, even if you didn't know what to expect next? Author Jonathan Lockwood Huey reminds us that a wonderful gift may not be wrapped as you expect. Thanks be to God for Mary's faith that allowed hope to be brought into the world in the Christ child. May God guide and support each of us as we strive to follow Mary's example and say, here am I, God, to God's plans for us individually and as a community. Amen.